Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore, it's another episode. Oh. Today's episode, uh, it's one of the best. I'm not going to lie. Um, I even, I think I even mentioned it to, uh, to today's guest at the end. Um, this is a, 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 a beautiful display of openness and honesty with, and I should say I've never met my, my, my guest today. I should say is John Newman. Um, you would have seen, uh, or you would know about John through his global mega hit, uh, love me again. Uh, and and subsequent, you know, huge tunes with you know some of the biggest producers uh, and DJs in the world. I mean, his his back catalogue's ridiculous, and and we talk about that, and we talk about new music. Uh, we talk about the origins of 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 his songwriting and, and the stuff that's inspired him. But we have this beautiful um, discussion about mental health uh, and, and 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 just mindset that, that that has come, you know, previously and because of the pandemic and lockdown and. It's just a really lovely chat. Um, you're you're going to fall in love with John straight away. He's uh, I, I've never connected with, with with a guest so instantly uh, as I did with John, um, and it's uh, it's a wonderful chat, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Um, before um, I press play on that that chat, just a few thank yous. Um, thanks to Scroobius Pip and everyone at the Distraction Pieces Network. Uh, thanks to Seventy Six for producing this. Um, and huge thanks to you lot for continuing, uh, to support this podcast. You know, we're, we're into 2022 now and yeah, I'm still loving doing this. I'm still, and, and this again, it just reminded me how lucky I am to get to speak to these amazing, these amazing creative people that, that just have, you know, the same problems as me and you, yet they've also got this thing in them that, that, that spurs them on to create just amazing art you know whether that be acting production djing comedy whatever they, they've got this this fire burning in them and 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 it fascinates me and I, and I love chatting to people about you know the things that that drive them to do this and and, and where that desire comes from uh, and this this is such a, a a banger of a chat um if it's your first time listening then when you get to the end of this chat with john there's 350 episodes uh, that you might have uh, missed. So go and go and have a look in the archives. You can hear me talking to the likes of Fatboy Slim, um, the Foo Fighters, uh, producers like Butch Fig, um, comedians like James Acaster, Ed Gamble, Maisie Adam, 
and yeah, actors Maxine Peake, Joe Hartley, Amanda Abington, Thomas Turgoose. Uh, I mean, go and have a look. If 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 you you're into DJs and music, then I imagine that 200 of them, 350 episodes are going to be with some of your favourite musicians, producers, or DJs. So go go have a look and explore. And better still, subscribe. Um, and if you'd really like to support the podcast, I have a Patreon that accompanies this where I put up radio shows and video episodes of all of these. So you can go and watch the chats if you'd like to um, put up exclusive episodes as well over there. And I think it costs about 79p a month uh, for all of that content. And there's a huge back catalogue there as well. Um, right. Enough waffle from me. Let's, um, let's have some, uh, some great chat now. Uh, please enjoy today's episode of Off The Beat and Track podcast with the wonderful John Newman. Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off the Beat and Track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs so one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously i'm super thrilled to have hotel chocolat working with us but they sent me a great big box of this stuff and i'm telling you it's amazing go and check it out www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at hotel chocolat but yeah in the coming months there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon, and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It me, stew with it. Okay, we are recording. Joining me today, John Newman, how are you doing? I'm all right, man. How are you? In the I'm... modern world, we are. <laughs> we, we are. I, uh... I've not seen person's skin for so long now. I need to get out of this room, I think. It's, I've done, I'm doing a promo run, and I'm constantly on the internet. <laughs> it's crazy. How are you finding, like, I mean, let, let's just look back over the last fucking bananas two years, really, and, like, have you, have you found it sort of, I, I, I guess personally and creatively i mean it's probably i don't know how long we've got but i reckon (laughs) (laughs) as long as you want brother we started with the bulk (laughs) (laughs) it's been absolutely i don't know to be honest like like i've just had so much like the biggest challenge in my life and then the biggest rewards. And to be honest, I think I've come out of it as an adult, I think, to be honest. Um, and educated on the negatives and both the positives on the mental mindset of life and physical as well. Like, I t- honestly, like, I, I, I feel so bad for the people I mean, I was hit badly myself by it. I run a, I started a chauffeur company. This is when I was like having a full-on mental breakdown. I was like, ah, oh, like, what if music doesn't go well? And people might be like, well, that's not, you know, that's safe to do that. But it's how I did it. 
But anyway, I had to shut that company down and I lost my job and I kind of lost everything. So I, I, I understand when people have really suffered from this. But I think now, like we're sat in 2022 and we're moving on and I think there's words of epidemic starting to show in the news. I, I think it's been really, really important for me. And do you know what? I think it's, I'm probably going to regret this and it's probably going to get used somewhere in some newspaper, but like there's been, like it's been awful. Like it has been so awful. But I think so many people have learned so much from just not like kind of saying, just expecting life or just expecting everything. You know, we, a lot of people had it on a plate, like the world had it on a plate. We had, you know, and I think now we, we take, we took love for granted and seeing people for granted. I think now we really appreciate seeing each other. And I think that's such a nice thing. I hope have. we don't lose that though, John. Like, I think we will. I think we'll go back to glassing each other on Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean? It's like, it's really weird. When, when lockdown started, like I, I, I tried to go running every day and as a runner, and I'm not a runner, but just as 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 a geezer that's uh, desperately trying to kind of stay on the right side of morbidly obese, like I'd go for a run in the mornings, and a runner will always kind of give a little kind of wave to another runner. Yeah. But that changed in lockdown. People that were walking their dogs on the other side of the road, and where I live in Essex, you don't speak to strangers because people think you're crackers, you know, or you're going to rob them. And and it was so refreshing that just running down the street, someone walking their dog on the other side of the road, would be like, morning. And they'd kind of want to engage because we were starved and stripped of that connection and that love that you mentioned. And, you know, as humans, we need other people, you know. And I think, obviously, a lot of us are lucky that we've got families that we live with and things like that. But outside of that, we're we're very sociable creatures. And I think once that was taken away, that, you know, we never expected to be locked in our houses. That's fucking bananas. And And then to just sort of see someone in the street and just really want to engage with them and ask them how they're getting on was lovely. And, and as we come out of the first lockdown, I'm still like Mr. Chipper and I'm still like, Oh, how are you doing? And I thought it was quite a shame how quickly we reverted back into just how a lot of, you know, English people are, you know, Ed, um, mind your own business. Don't really want to kind of talk to strangers because it's, you know, seemed a bit weird. And, and it, and it felt like quite quickly people were sort of back into like, well, you know, I've got a very busy life. I can't be stopping and chatting to, to strangers. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, totally agree. I think, yeah, it's, it is a hard conversation, isn't it? Like, with, I, I, especially now because everyone's kind of like on their phones more. But like whenever you talk about the positives of it, because obviously the death rate has been so high and people have lost so many loved ones. I mean... Me speaking for myself, I've just lost my father, thankfully not to COVID. Um, but, yeah, I think it's it's been difficult. But do you know one thing that I thought was so, so incredible, and I think it's a given, but I lived I lived in America for a little while. And it's, it's do you know what the mad thing is about America? I heard a story about a ter- touring musician, and he had a nut allergy, and he... And he'd, eat, he'd, he'd, I think he was on the flight or something that he'd, he'd had an attack anyway. And then they were telling me about the bill 
that he had to pay. <laughs> Fucking hell. That's like, it's not his fault. <laughs> that is, t- how is that his fault? Like, that's mental. Why should he have to, why, it's awful, isn't it? It's like, well, if you don't pay, you die. Like, I just find that absolutely mad. But, and I think the NHS was in question by different sides of politics, like, previous to this. It was really on the rocks. And I think, I don't know if it still is and it's been covered up, but what I really loved is, I, I know I've been taken care of by the NHS profoundly in my life, but the people appreciated that. And I don't think people appreciate that until they've been in that situation where they really, really need to be looked after and they don't have to pay for it after. And I think that is, I think it was so nice to see people awarding them and praising them and still to this day praising them giving the discounts to the shop. I think yeah. they should get that all day, every day. Yeah, under they? they are literally heroes. And I think that was that was positive for me. But, I mean, yeah, I, I, it, it is deeper and darker for me where uh, you just spoke about people being busy and not, not got time for anything. And there's something amazing about that in the way that psychology works in our minds and what we do and how we stay busy or how we man up or how we do these things or for me stay busy run and hide and I realized that when I was running around the world pretending I was a big deal like going drinking free champagne and going on red carpets and getting loads of likes on Instagram and being on Instagram all the time because it was oozing and moisturizing my emotions of a shite childhood. I realised when I took all that away because I physically couldn't do it, and I wasn't going to be doing shite t- TikTok dances. So that was me out of the limelight for a minute. I was absolutely like so depressed, and it's because I'd never dealt with it. Like I'd literally just been running, 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 and I think it's like what using that busyness of work as almost like a distraction absolutely it's a hiding it's a rock to hide under and I think I did that completely and when I got home I was like just left to think about all the all the not that like I could say shit things but just the realities of life like the actual realities of what you actually thought without being distracted or without running again and it's been all big one brewing pot of things leading to my father passing away last week, which I'm holding on for dear life to not have a breakdown, but like just that at the end of it was just like, oh my God, this is literally like everything has just been turned around to the point now where I'm coming out of this just like still a bit broken, but I know that I'll be fixed and just a whole different person. Like I'd literally come out feeling like a whole different person that is... I feel like I've warmly closed the book of that chapter and I'm moving on to to a new life almost. And I'm I'm so excited, but sad to leave behind so many things because you've put in so much effort to think about all these things over your life. And then to close the book on it is like, okay, it's done. But I think it just started from like, yeah, so to, to, go, to, to run around the world and then like to start in my head... I didn't realise that I'd been probably having a mental breakdown for about four years, three years. 
and I'd been highly, highly depressed. And this is some like I've not even I've, I wouldn't even dare. Speak. It's only because it's a po- podcast. I already trusted you, but like I haven't even spoke about this, and I wouldn't. But it got to the severity. I didn't realise this was bad. I don't think anyone does at the time, but where uh, like every three days, I'd have this thought of I could kill myself. Like I could kill myself. Do you know what I mean? Like wait, just end it all. That'd be great. And then it like became like quite like every day. And then I realised when we went into lockdown and I sat and I had these thoughts that I was like, that is bad, man. Yeah, them, like, them thoughts should never become matter of fact, should they? They should never be something that, you know, that you just think, I'm having these thoughts all the time and, like, you know, it's becoming something that's almost normalised. You know, that, that's an extreme fucking harrowing concept, isn't it? Yeah. But it's attractive you don't want to tell anyone. Because that's, like, I've grown up and I've lost so many people due to suicide in my life. I never knew that was going to happen. And they seemed absolutely fine with it. Like, it seemed simple. And I was like, that's why it's dangerous. Because, because John, you're not an emotional bleeder to the, to the world or because you're not a person that looks for sympathy or emotion from people. I'm literally as fucking cold as they come. I was like, that's now concerning and every time I turned around to people and said, yeah, not feeling great, everyone would be like, A, they just wouldn't presume it from me because of this strong character. But B, they'd be like, you'd be right, mate, man up. It's like, you are sending me further and further because I, what the fuck is man up or grow balls? I don't know what this is. Like, yeah, I'll man up and get rid of this. Like, it was, I'm not trying to lift the fucking tire. <laughs> I'm not trying yeah. to lift something. Like, and I think, for me, the, 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 when we went into lockdown, like that all kind of came into the front of my mind. I couldn't ignore them thoughts anymore. And they were very much prudent and there and a fixture in my mind. And then I was like, this has got to stop. This is too much. Like, you stupid, stupid bastard. I was like, what's doing this? I was like, I need to find that device to stop it. I'm, I'm intelligent. I'm a clever person. I'm, I'm, I'm switched on mentally fix it let's fix it and the help of the psychiatrist had already like unearthed a lot of things to then put them at the presence of my mind but the first one was that i was so unhappy in my career like i'd started this career and then basically was just this character like this literally an animated character that people thought the bin man thought they could just scream in the face of my songs and all this stuff, which was just like, when you start not succeeding that much or you go through the, the bottom end of the wave of the music industry and popularity, it like crashes down on you and you feel the pressures. And I just like, I was so unhappy with my career. I've always been the big fish in the little waters and always made sure I've always done that. And it was just the first time in my life that I had to deal with that that wasn't the case. Everyone else was, all the label was standing outside of the next popular kid's dressing room. So I think as soon as I went into lockdown, I was like, right, I need to, I need to stop. Like, I got to stop music because it's, I'm, I'm, you know, this music studio I sat in now, I built every single bit of it. Like, I've got so many talents in my life, which I'm being gifted from probably by my father. But I was like, I just need to see another light in another world. In, in something else and then I uh, 
got rid of it and I just felt like, oh my God, I feel amazing. I feel so empowered and so lost and lonely, but I like that. You know, like I feel like completely vulnerable and that's nice. I feel like there's a fight again. So what I did is I just started, I built myself a plunge pool and a sauna. I got in it every single day. And that was the only thing I had to do. I had to focus on the happiness that came from that and how that worked and meditate. And the happiness that came from that was slowly dealing with the thoughts. And, I, I, and it worked. I cleared it all out of my head. And one huge thing that I did was to reconnect with my father after not speaking to him for 20 years. I realized that I needed a dad and he was still on this earth. And some people weren't fortunate enough to have that. And that my anger and my, my stubbornness was covering that up. So I, yeah, I did that. And it just changed everything. It made me stop searching for that. It made me not angry. From deep within, I had no anger anymore. And it just fixed everything. And then I, I missed music. So I was like, oh, I just, I need to do that creatively again. But yeah, it's been tough. And then to come out the other side and then lose my dad after the probably greatest two years of my life, somebody actually understanding that humans say weird things and I do all the time and I am a bit odd and I like to think of things in a different way. And I mean, I don't think you'd find any other pop stars sat talking about this. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't give a shit because I actually don't give a shit. It's a positive thing, John. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't give a shit. And, like, I think it's, it's not, like, I don't, I think it's so funny that I'm made out to be a depressive person if I talk about these things, but I don't give a shit, like, because it's not. It's just like being wise enough to talk about it before you end up doing something stupid. And I think, 100%. yeah, it's just got to the point. But, like, now, generally, like, we, we started with the talk about, how uh, lockdown and everything affected us. And that was really my journey. So it's been a, it's been like a film to be honest, but <laughs> I uh, honestly, like it's, it's hard. It's a week today since my dad passed away and it's bleak, man. And it hurts really, really, really bad. And I keep, it keeps just ruining my mind and I keep breaking down, but I already, not for any positive reason of that happening, but just knowing how proud he was of me, and the great positive journey that I've started back up on, like, I just feel so much better, like so much better, like right. ready to be a father with my wife, ready to be like whatever the world gives me. And honestly, before if somebody said, can I do an interview with John? I'd be like, do I fucking have to do? I'm so done. Whereas now I'm like, absolutely, let's do it, man. Like, <laughs> it's great. And everyone's like, yeah, no, but like, you're going through a bit of shit. Do you want to work? I was like, sorry, work. I was like, which bit of this is work? Like, we've just yeah. been speaking about how nice it is to interact with humans and speak to people. And I appreciate that now. And like, this is nice, man. I'm going to learn some things from you and hopefully you'll learn some from me. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. So it's not, it's not work. I'm not, I'm not working yet yeah. until it gets shite again. Yeah. Which is fun because I'm in a different mindset. Great. It's been absolutely mental. Yeah. <laughs> Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. 
Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, (laughs) to the point where I'm like, oh, God, I'm like, as if I'm like, I can't now, literally now. I'm like, as if I even had them thoughts. That yeah. is mental. Yeah. I was like, that's absolutely mad. I was like, wow, great, man. Like, that has been, I feel like taking all the plaques down on the walls and just putting some pictures up for the past two years because that is now, honestly, I shove the plaques up my ass. Like, it's literally the greatest achievement in my life that I have. A, found my, that I found my father again and I got rid of all them anger issues and I listened and understood. And then that I fixed the greatest problem that anybody will ever go through because it's not, it can't be fixed by a nurse. Like I've had a brain tumor in my life. I've got one now in my head, but like that can, that can be fixed by somebody that knows what they're doing. But when it's inside your own head, you can't, right? When it's thoughts that are in your head, it's only you that can inevitably fix it without getting smashed up on antidepressants or whatever. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah, like, yeah. 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 but yeah. Well. <laughs> well. <laughs> I'm just trying to find the right um, way. <laughs> How do, I, how do I segue into talking about fucking records just after we've just... Just send me, uh, <laughs> send me the invoice. It's been a great counselling session. Thank you very much. <laughs> you. Oh, mate. Do you know what? I quite happily, like, fuck off the, 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 the stuff about music. I'll happily just kind of talk about, you know... What... But it's all in there, man. It's, it's, that is, music's done it, you know. That's the beautiful... There's your segue that music has been the healer. Okay. In its simplest format. Not the crap, the politics, all that. Purely that beautiful, soul-warming emotion that music gives you has been at the core of it, I think. so. Simple pleasures, man. Simple pleasures. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> right, well, we, we, we've touched upon creativity a little bit. Um, and I want to ask you, and I'm going to sort of go back to that with, with, with this question, but I want you to tell me the song that you think's got the greatest ever intro. Right, this is a bit like I always struggle with song choices. Do you have this? 
Dude, I'm fucking crackers with lists, and I'm obsessed with music. It's ridiculous. Like, any of these questions that I'm asking you, you ask me them on any given fucking hour, let alone day, and I'll have a different answer for you. Yeah, same here. <laughs> so I just went with what came first, and I went with uh, Daft Punk, Give Life Back to Music. It's probably not the greatest intro of all time. It's just what I thought of. It's a good intro. It's a good intro, to be honest. The greatest bit of it is the tension into the release of where it sits into the groove after. So is it a good intro? Yeah, probably, because it sets up what's coming very well. Yeah. Um, The reason I chose it is because on my second record, all I wanted to do was to just go back in time so they hadn't made that song so I could make it. (laughs) It's like... That whole album inspired me so much. I just thought it was the clinicalness of it, how clean it was, but such great grooves and just everything was just brilliant. So, yeah, when it comes to song lists and having a choice of a few songs, I'd always love to try and get a Daft Punk one in there, especially. But yeah. When you're writing, and and I'm, I'm basing this on just watching my children and how they listen to music and it's all on tiktok and and it's all very very rapid thumbs moving and attention spans seem to be getting smaller when you're writing does any of that kind of stuff of you know we've got to have this hook then we can get on a spotify playlist and you know trim a bit more fat off and then we you know because we want to get it on the radio things like that does any of that stuff ever sort of find its way into your creative process it's so interesting now that you're aware of now I'm aware of my body and when I get uncomfortable, I literally started crunching up here, started going like that when he started talking about it. And it that was honestly like very, very much a large part of the testing of John Newman's brain. In, right, in, okay. Because I'd be stuck in this... Beautiful room, which is literally my haven. You don't have to talk about this, John, if you don't want to, man. I'm uh, all right. I'm all right. Um, in this beautiful haven um, where anything can happen in here. Like, but then he goes to the outside world and they start, and when the outside world starts getting involved and saying, oh, it needs to be shot off TikTok, oh, it needs these certain hooks in. Can you start with the intro? Can you start with the chorus for Spotify so people can feel it? And all these kind of, tricks and tips of how to destroy a, a music <laughs> musician's mind. Um, it, it starts getting to you. And then especially when you go through a patch of bad quality where you're just not as good anymore, and that's fine. Like everyone has things where they have writer's block or they whatever, you just have you just don't Yeah. You just have a little wave. And then when it's like all that coming in on top of you, I was like, "This, I can't, I can't do this." I've come for a world of like pure music, like proper soul music, and ravey, dirty, euphoric music, and like ten-minute tracks. I was like, "This is just too much for my head." So that's that's part of it. But now, like, whatever, man. <laughs> <laughs> literally like if you don't like what I'm doing then don't buy it because yeah. I'm doing what I love and you know like I had it the other day where I was like 
we got into it and the new single it was like right do the, the edits and the label sent it over honestly before I'd have been like a nightmare I was like I was hesitant I didn't like bits of it and then I just went do you know what fuck it doesn't matter does it like nobody's going to release Beaming Rhapsody now and I'm certainly not so it's a chorus it's a couple of lyrics and it's a bit of good production which is key the how people hear it just let them work that out that's what they care about and I think that's where my head's at look if a song is a song and it needs to be laid out the way it does that's the way it's got to be laid out it's, it's songwriting it was written in that way in my head yeah but if it's just something simple it doesn't matter you know yeah I'm sure Barry Gordy had opinions on arrangement as well you know and, and they made some of the greatest songs ever in, a, in our eyes Martha Reeves might be kicking herself because she thought the chorus should have gone first or whatever, but we'll yeah. never know that. So yeah. I think, yeah, it, 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 it was such a sensitive thing before because I was like, ah, make it all stop. It's all too intense. But now I'm just like, it's fine, man. I was part of that movement earlier on. I ruined things with my generation coming through without realising. Do you know what I mean? I will have affected when I bought CDs, I'll have affected people's lives without knowing, you know, or I'd have done whatever. But it's just, it's just movement. It's the world moving and it might absolutely combust soon to the point where it's just too intense because it's very intense, the yeah. world. Like, this, this online world is very intense. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it's fine, to be honest now. It's like actually fine. Like, I don't mind. As long as I get to make my music, I'll... I'll tick the boxes if needs be, do you know what I mean? But what I'll never do is ever go back to trying to be another artist again or trying to sound like somebody else again. I don't I can't do that anymore. That's the the really bad one. Yeah. Because that is part of it, I think, that you want to be the perfect Spotify song or the perfect viral TikTok song. And there's other artists doing it, so you just try doing what they're doing because they've done it. But everyone tried to make Love Me Again after I released that. Yeah. So I'll just do it again and then I'll change TikTok's, you know, style. Like yeah. just Bieber will on his next record because he doesn't give a shit what everyone else is doing or yeah. Ed Sheeran or whoever it is that releases one of these songs that changes everything again, you know. We'll all... It has we'll to evolve, have... doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally. We all have to evolve. Like everything has to evolve. That's why time exists, do you know what I mean? Track two. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to tell me the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Right. So, like, these songs, I think, are very much, because I'm trying to educate people on my bringing up of dance music, because I believe that's the right thing to do without being, without everyone turning around and saying, he loves a bit of Northern Soul, that's everything that he is, that's Love Me Again, that's him, that's him. But even that track was a dance tune, like... I wanted it to be a 90s rave song, and then I just got really into the soul vibe. Um, I went for Fragma, Talk of Me, and the reason is, is because I believe that productions bring such emotion just as much as anything, and that song, it's rammed full of emotion, and it reminds me of bottle-bonging Blue Wickets and getting absolutely smashed at 15 in the little town, <laughs> town I grew up in banging around in courses and stuff. And I, I, I loved it, man. Like, that was that was my upbringing. I loved it. I thought it was well fun. And, 
yeah, I just think I think that's a beautiful. There's a song in my there's a lyric in my new track waiting for a lifetime, and I say, um, flashing lights left my tears on the dance floor. And I don't know how that sounds to other people, whether it sounds a bit naff, but to me, it's got this pure emotional kind of connection to me and i think it's because of the, that sort of music like i could imagine it in that took me by fragment i could imagine it in like all those tunes like i need a miracle you know like all yeah. those kind of tunes like i can imagine that lyric in there so i think that's yeah definitely if you had to pinpoint what the emotion is what would it be I mean, this is really hard. If we were sat in a room and we weren't filming it, there's, so there's, let me say, it reminds you of when feeling euphoria. Like that pure love you feel when you're in euphoria, it reminds me of all those. And I think that's it. It's the, there's some are beautiful, and I think we can talk about it now because of the pandemic. There's some are beautiful. Well, sweating your tits off and hugging your mate and telling them you love them in the middle of a club whilst like these anthemic dance tunes are playing. Like that is a beautiful thing. Like dance music is in many beautiful parts of your life growing up. And I think it always reminds me of great, great memories where life was so easy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it was just Friday and Saturday night going out and just having a blind blinder and with your mates and just loving each other. Yeah. I think that's, that's brilliant. <laughs> we should do that now. <laughs> it's completely, it, it goes full circle back to, it's, it's that connection, isn't it? And, yeah. you know, you've got that connection and you throw nostalgia on top of it. Oh, that's a feeling and half, that is. It's like watching Kevin and Perry. Go <laughs> I love that film so much. That gives all them. It's every tune that comes in on there. You go, oh, like it's not like this tune. You go, oh, it's it's got that. It's got like like all that sort of music. It's just got this yearn to it, which is amazing. You know. Track three. Let's stay in the formative years. Uh, I'm going to ask you the song that reminds you of your time at school, please, John. Yeah. So I I actually found it. I put it on my Instagram. he said, uh, under 18s night, settle rugby club, DJs, John Newman, Scott Forshaw, who wasn't on there when I was uh, growing up. And um, I used to have a set of Newmark belt drives, a really crap mixer. I think that was a Newmark as well. That's me not getting a Newmark endorsement anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> <You're all right. laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I. I just used to play tunes all day on my decks, just mixing them, mixing them, mixing them, just pumping out house music. I remember uh, Radio One's dance anthems where had the Cut Up Brothers on and they used to take like these amazing vocals of the hits that week and put them over like big tunes. And, and it was like such a funky house movement at the time. You had like the beginnings of Eric Prids with Call On Me at this point and like, what I love about these tunes is that they're all sampling all these old soul and disco records, which I already like adore anyway. But I just love the fresh vibe of it all and all pop. And 
Armand Van Helden's My My My, it just has everything that I personally want from a song. It's got that soulful gospel vocal on it, but then it's just got all those like, dum, dum, dum. it's got like the kind of funk movement. Yeah. And it's when you're enjoying that feeling of that kind of energy, it then, this is the beauty of dance music when you do it in this way you've always got 10% more and it does it. And I just think it's, I think it's personally one of the best pop tracks that's ever been released. I think it's so good. Like really, really amazing. And I I think it'll be around for years because it's just one of the best, you know? Oh, it's an absolute cracker. And I mean, you, 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 your efforts in soul music and obviously you, you made that nod to Northern earlier. Um, I take it was a, that sort of stuff that you was being exposed to growing up at home. Yeah, my mum used to play Northern Soul around the house all the time, but she'd also play like the likes of Diana Ross and Lionel Richie. My uncle used to go off to the Twisted Wheel and like places to go out dancing to soul music. It was it, it was quite hard to come by in in because it was a lot earlier than when I was a kid, the real true Northern Soul movement. But again, we speak about togetherness and dancing and dance music and everything and it was the same northern soul was the same that no, you know nobody would fight at these places like it'd be a pure togetherness you're all there for one thing and that was music and i think that's a beautiful thing that the whole movement inspired me but i just thought it was you know i also like uh like the secrets and the mysteries of life like the other things and I, I find it quite amazing that it was such a popular movement taken from the b-sides of all these huge american soul records that we also know you know they were all like the, the secondary tracks or the ones that didn't make the labels cut and i just think that was like amazing and um yeah i actually yeah i was very much into soul anyway and then when i was a kid i was like because I was DJing and producing dance music, I never really, like, I could, I, knew, I could play a guitar and a piano. I never really knew what to do on it. Like, and I'd sing songs and it'd be like Easy by Lionel Richie or like Stunt Sitting on the Dock of the Bay by Otis Redding. But I'd mainly sing them to girls to try and impress them, but nothing fucking worked in them. <laughs> <laughs> Took a number one before that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and so like music was like purely like producing producing and then i uh when i went to i moved to my like i i remember sitting on my guitar and performing i think i was like singing a james morrison song or something and my best mate said to me at the time he said you've got to go and do music you're really good at it and i just never felt like i was writing for a reason kind of like crap tunes but Did anyway, you have anything else in mind at school like, that you wanted to be? Yeah, mechanic, yeah. I was, I was gonna, I was studying to be a mechanic after school for a year. I wanted to be an F1 mechanic. I, I'm like an absolute petrol head. Like, saying that, I've got an electric car now, but <laughs> it's fast as fuck. That's why. It's a whole different level of fast, and that'll do me. I love fast. And um, not that I drive over the speed limit, obviously, but... Um, and so when um, I decided, I went, my brother told me to go, my best mate told me to go. So I moved to Leeds and I, I did, um, 
it's, it was called the ICPA, ICPA course. And it was like an introductory certificate to popular arts, performing arts. But then I, I discovered ICPA. It's because I didn't do well at school in the grades. So they created this ICPA, which was an introductory, which made... I worked it out as, I can't play anything. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, that's so good, man. Like, he's having a joke here. This is amazing. But when I moved there and started doing it, and loved, I actually loved it. I loved the culture of Leeds. I loved everything. I loved that nobody knew anything about me and I could fully absorb in it. And then, yeah, my mum called me and said, my, my tooth, my friend who told me to go, and my other very close friend, both tragically died in a car accident instantly and uh yeah that changed everything because i knew why i was there but i didn't a bit and it just like put me on the wrong side of life a bit just kept getting really smashed to try and get rid of it but when i was in my darkest point of it i do you know what It says, look, LCM library, right? Oh, mate, you've got a fine waiting on you for that. (laughs) I'm saying 2008. I'm right. Oh, shit. Seven day loan. Mate, you probably owe them about 50k. There's no CD in it. They've all been bastards. <laughs> <laughs> They've got it back. Um, and I got this. I was sat in the library and I was just putting on some tunes and I played this and it changed everything. Like, this album changed absolutely everything for me because uh, just like a change is going to come gave me so much light. And I just remember I had this apartment in Leeds and... I just had sig books everywhere and the whole place was just trashed. And I just remember just pouring out all these emotions and listening to this. And I can't really listen to it now because it reminds me of such a mental time in my life. But this literally gave me the reason to make music because I was like, oh, music can be like that. You can, you know, I mean, in change is going to come. It says my dead mother. And you're like, oh, well, maybe... It's okay to talk about these things in music. Maybe I can talk about true emotions. I don't just have to produce music or sing songs to try and impress girls. I can I can talk about my friends that I've lost. I can talk about real deals. And I made a song called Mr. Ben. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I know it sounds like a dedication to a probably a childhood cartoon character, but... Um, yeah, and it just, it, that was it. After that, people took me really seriously. People listened to me because they were like, he's, well, he's singing music because he needs to, you know, and that's why. So that was, that was the game changer, that one. And then it was quite hard when I was looking at the list, what to, what song and not include one of those, but it's nice that we've been able to talk about it. But yeah. 
Well, let's stay uh, in them formative years again for track four. And John, can you tell me the first song you bought from a record shop? Yeah, so we lived in a little town, I've just spoke about it, called Settle in the North George Dales, and we didn't really have much. However, the, the DJ scene was quite large. There was a lot of my mates into DJing. But I used to, uh, the, the, the nearest shopping place was Leeds. And I used to go there, I used to go to the, um, the record shop, like maybe once a month. Didn't have much money whatsoever as a kid. And um, went there like once a month and I'd go and I'd, it's just that beautiful feeling of that flicking through the vinyls and the feeling these records. And so what smell. was it like, an independent sort of dance yeah, specialist? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, and just like flicking through these records and feeling them. And, and as a little kid, it was just so amazing to then sit on the train with them and be like reading about them and everything. And you've, you've picked them on the vinyl in the shop and there's, there's all these cool guys in there and you're like, oh my God, what are the cool guys? And then you go home, <laughs> go home and drop the needle on it. Like, oh man, that's, that's taken me a lot. Whereas now, like, it's tunes are just, they're eating as alive, man. But Food. what you said there is so important and it's like, you've attached a journey to getting that record going to that shop, making that journey to that shop, flicking through the vinyl, the the whole feeling of being in that space with all the other kind of people that were there trying to buy the right tunes. You've got the tastemaker behind the counter, fundamentally bending you all over to try and take 20 quid off you for an impulse. And like, but then you, you know, you would, you'd, on the, I don't want to sound like an old granddad here talking about the good old days of vinyl, but it is important, you know, that, that it is not, you know, that we talk about that because, when you would sit on the, on the bus home or whatever and you would have it in your hand, you would, like, look every bit of fucking information on there, wouldn't you? Like, and you'd play the B-side and you just want... Now, nah, everything's just online. You can see yeah, everything. Yeah. You know what they're having for fucking dinner. But back then, that's all you had, wasn't it? And, like, and you devoured that it. Paper, that piece of paper. That just, the, oh, final. the stickiness as it comes out. Like their dust. Oh, it was so beautiful. And then, like you just said it, then the guy pulling your kegs down for an import. And it's funny, This the reason I put this song is because I'd heard it on pop radio, loved it. But then I went and uh, I was digging through in Leeds and I found this white label. And I still don't to this day know quite what it is. But he said original version, Lola's theme, recut. I heard it. And the chorus went, I'm a different person, yeah. Since you came into my life, oh, you turn my world around. Since you came into my life. And I was like, oh, it's a real chorus. And I don't know what it is. If I, I, I need to actually, I think the Shapeshifters did remix a track for me, which was like, I think they really mixed my second single, Cheating, which was like massively bucket list that the shapeshifters have worked on my music. But um, yeah, I don't know what that was, whether they'd sampled something and then shown what they'd sampled and put it back over. But whatever it was, was something really special. But I've got it still. I've still got it, this white label thing and it just says shapeshifters, original recut. I mean, how rare is that? Who's done that? Yeah, that's got to be rocking all shit. Yeah. Like, it was mental. There was another one that I found out that we had, which the the Fuji's remix. Was it by Ronnie Sides? Or, um, what's his name? I think it was the Ronnie... 
Ronnie Sy's remix of Ready or Not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, Ronnie. think, it was Ronnie's. Or DJ Sync was it? I can't remember. Oh, I thought it was Ronnie. No. Do you know it might have been Sync? Yeah, but, the, but, but, but my brother told me that we've got, there's only like 40 or 50 of the original ones before they got scrapped because it was legal, illegally put out there. Yeah. It was completely like a rip-off track that never got licensed or anything, and we've still got it now. I reckon. Get yeah. that one on eBay, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned yeah. something then. You, you said like when you had Lola's, um, it, it it had a proper vocal chorus. And, and do you think like that kind of, because, uh, you know, a, a lot of dance music is, is far more sort of focused around just the kind of movement of the of the music rather than it being more structured and song based. Do you think like the fact you picked up on that chorus so quickly, do you think you're drawing from growing up in those early memories being more structured Motan songs and things like that that have got these huge euphoric vocal choruses? Do you think that's the connection there? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Like still to this day I I don't think a tune's any good without a decent chorus. And it's yeah. that. Like, the Motown choruses were so mental. Yeah. Like, crazy. And when I moved to London, I, st- I was doing, like, singer-songwriter music. Sorry. I was doing singer-songwriter music. And when I moved to London, I decided to look back at how much that had really actually inspired me. And especially with, like, the Otis Redding stuff, it had really started brewing. And I studied Motown, and them choruses are just mental, like yeah. absolutely next level. And, and there's I think, so many of them as well, man. I don't know how they did it. Like I literally, <laughs> and still like now they're just so good. And they, some of them, like there's a Jimmy Ruffin, "What Becomes of oh, a Man," party. like that. It's the minor key and the, the absolute misery in that song. I love it. It's got this dum dum dum. It's got the, the typical kind of James Jameson rhythm sat in there, but it's just, I love how miserable that song is. It's just completely minor, but the chorus is just, and this was such a device in, in making music for me, was them choruses, I love the joyful ones, the positive ones, but I love the Jimmy Ruffin verse, yeah. and I love the Amy Winehouse verses, and I love... This like dark, augmented kind of minor verse, this yeah. negative that's talking about such touching subjects for me that uh, my friends going or whatever, or these Otis Redding verses. But I just couldn't hide from them big positive yeah. things. So it made my songwriting like "Love Me Again," "No, I've Done Wrong," "Left Your Heart Torn," "Is That What Devils Do?" All the down and kind of gritty dark emotional kind of talk to I need to know now can you love me again just a, such a simple positivity Motown line essentially and I think I'd, I'd still do it to this day you know yeah. like my new single Waiting for a Lifetime it's I've been waiting for a lifetime for you sounds great sounds so positive and nice and then the verses for me have such a deep dark and a meaningful emotional attachment you know I don't think I'd be able to do it if I got rid of the deep dark emotional attachment to be honest but I'm addicted to them them big choruses, and it's definitely from them Motown days. And songs like Lola's Theme and yeah. Armand Van Helden and, and these these big choruses, you know. I miss the chorus, man. Yeah. I really miss the chorus. I hope it's going to come back sometime really soon. I mean, Lewis Capaldi gave us a little bit of a chorus moment in the new Adele stuff. 
but hopefully it's going to become the normal to have the chorus in there properly, not what will go on TikTok for 10 seconds and be catchy. Oh, I'm with you, brother. I love a big fuck-off soaring chorus. There's nothing better. <laughs> yeah. Well, segue. All of these songs sound really good in clubs, so tell me the song that soundtracked your year's clubbing, please, John. So when I moved to Leeds, I spoke about it, I lost my friends, and uh, I dealt with it in a, in a way that was, well... I'm young, I'm in the middle of Leeds, I'm going to go absolutely ape shit. And I did. And I got absolutely hammered for <laughs> two years, I think. And it was very much at the time where the likes of Chase and Stairs started doing really, really well. Like they were the mainstream side of it. And D&B was having a real big, beautiful moment. Uh, and High Contrast were another group for me that were just like ridiculous. Um, and they remixed Adele's Hometown Glory, which is so funny again, isn't it? Because what a brilliant chorus. And yeah. it's, you're probably onto something that every song that I like, there's something in there that's reminded me of Oblen, that Motown musical, that dance music growing up. And I think what I liked, what I liked about the High Contrast remix of that is it felt like a High Contrast song. It didn't feel like an Adele song. Well, it did, but... So it was like this big, beautiful, amazing chorus and pop tune, but with that filthy, stinking yeah. beat underneath. But it's got this beautiful, euphoric emotion throughout there, but it's all to do with how you relate that in your life. My mistress is Danish. She doesn't get any of this, man. She's like singing, you should let me love you. Going, Doesn't it bring you such euphoria? And I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's singing like uh, what they called uh, boys to men and stuff, and I'm like, mm, nah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, like there's some good songs there. But but do you think like again one of the other things about clubbing and, and you referencing like Sal and Northern as well that moment when the drop comes in a club, like yeah, and I'm talking about dance music. When you see that footage of like Wigan or Twisted Will, that drop comes with the fucking, the big clap on like Tainted Love or something like that, where everybody in unison, that fucking connection is like, you just see everybody just do that clap in time, like a whole fucking club. That's the same, man. That's the same connection and euphoria, I think, that you will get from hearing I don't know, fucking Joe Smooth's Promised Land being played, like, and, and the whole club just, like, rushing off the euphoric chorus. I think, like, and, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I, you know, I, I run a club, and I've run a club for 30 years, and, uh, and but my club's more based around sort of guitar music and stuff like that. But there's loads and loads of fucking guitar anthems where I watch a whole dance floor, like, literally come together for this one point in that song where you know it's going to oh, drop. Yeah. And it's like... And it is that collectiveness, that that moment. Like I've got this thing, I don't know if, if it's going to make any sense to you, right? But if I'm feeling blue, I do this really weird thing where I watch different bands that I like, or not even necessarily bands I like, play huge gigs because I want to hear crowds singing. When I hear crowds singing, like there's just something really primal about it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> got it, man. It's so good. <laughs> 
But you, 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 I mean, you're privileged, man. You've, you've had people sing your art back at you, man. Like, how's that feel? No, right. So that's fine. But I'm in alter ego mode at that point. When I'm on stage, I mean, which I'm struggling with a little bit now. And that's why it's quite nice to stand behind some decks and, and sing from there and do some other instruments and stuff. But my, my, I think my big, big one was I was stood watching Calvin at Coachella. And there was a lot of people, man. And I got to sing Blame at the end, which was really sick. But also, he put Love Me Again in there. And he just built up this massive build. And then he just went, I need to know now. And the whole crowd erupted. I was like, oh, my God, I made that in my bedroom. Like, wow. that's mad. Like, I think that is... When I watch... When I'm not on stage, that's when it's crazy. When I was doing this whole new live set programming it because we didn't have anything to go and do or feel inspiration from i um what i did is is when i was when i was programming all the bits and remixing all the tracks i was doing of my old tracks and everything kind of getting it already i put i've got a massive screen just here in front of me uh and i put avici on or like whatever like some just some mad festival crowd going off and i played the tunes to that but it was just like when I was going through that footage, like well, I'm sat at home in my slacks and I've just had a mental breakdown and feeling like I'm fortunate and very appreciative of just waking up and having a good day at the moment. And uh, and always will be now. But like <laughs> I literally like was just searching through and I found a beachy team in the park. I was like, oh, bang that on, started it up. Just boom, no, I've done wrong. Left your heart. And the whole crowd is just going off singing my lyrics. I was like, yo, that's like the biggest DJ in the world, like playing my tune. Like that is honestly, it's it's such a mad thing. My job is fucking brilliant. Like it's, <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. Like in every way. And I think it was so shit for a bit, but it's so brilliant. And like I love talking about like where like my inspirations came from and then all these beautiful things in my life. It just makes me really, really love life and appreciate where things start and how they develop and then what you use them for. And it's just amazing, isn't it? Like amazing. <laughs> yeah. No, you... I didn't say that in an egotistical way. No, not at all. It's not amazing, at all. isn't it? I'm amazing, aren't I? Take it to kid. No, I mean, you know, like I say, yeah. like, I, I love the thought of like, you know, I just love watching crowds singing, and 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 you know, I, I will get that, <clears throat> like if you know, if if fans are singing at a football match, I'm not even into football, but uh, I think it's uh, Hibs fans in Scotland sing "Sunshine on Leaf" by the Proclaimers. And and if you Google that and watch that, it's fucking so powerful. Like all yeah. of it, and it's just, it's the same with Scatter singing "You'll Never Walk Alone." It's like it's yeah. powerful, man. Like you know, I believe in it. It's yeah. different. Yeah. It's yeah, different. Definitely. Yeah. Right. Let's take you home. Track six. Favorite song from an artist from your home county, please. So I didn't really know that these guys were from Leeds. Um, but I, the, the girl singing it, Phoebe, is a friend of mine. She actually sung our first dance at our wedding. And I heard this song. It's like a recent song. Um, the guys are called Prosper. And I heard the song. And I I mean, talking about Motown choruses and all these big choruses and this 
beautiful praise. I just, I just thought that was so good and so beautiful and like how pop music should be, man. We want yeah. the chorus there. It's just like, it takes all the boxes for me. And I just, it's the first song I've heard in a while, apart from Opus by Eric Prince, that really like properly stops me. Like, and think that's brilliant. Well done. <laughs> that is brilliant. When you brilliant. find that, do you, are you one of them people? I mean, I, I, there's nothing wrong with that. I hope not. Cause I, I'm definitely one of the people where if I find a, a new track and I'm like, wow, that that's good. I will then play that 20 times on the bands. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and then imagine it's your own music. My missus cannot handle it. Like, I, I, play my, I love my making music. Like, I love it. And I don't do music if I don't love it. So when I, when I, <laughs> when I make a bounce, I nail it. Like I love it. And I feel like everyone else should love it. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm the best um, salesman for my job. Like, and my missus is like, just stop playing it. <laughs> when we first get together, I was releasing this track called Fire and Me, and I'd not done music for a couple of years at the time. I quite like taking time away. And um, I remember we were driving back from Denmark, and it was the f- she was actually coming to live with me. And I must have played that. I'd written it whilst I was there, and I think I must have played it 300 times. On on the journey home? Yeah. And she, and, and. I just picture you hitting the central lock in as you press play as well. (laughs) (laughs) Strapping. We hadn't lived together. She didn't know that much about me. And I was just. I was hating it. Fucking brilliant. Absolutely fucking brilliant. Let's go again. Window down. I love it, man. Fucking hell. I do it every time. She's got used to it. Mate, she's a keeper. If she stayed in that car for 300 plays and got out and moved in with you, man, that's a keeper. Definitely. <laughs> Tell me straight now, though. <laughs> and the shit off. <laughs> Actually, my new single is her favourite one I've ever done, so that's nice, isn't it? Wonderful, wonderful. All right, you get to play Tastemaker and DJ now, John. And for the last track, a song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear, please. I know for a fine fact, many, 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 many people don't know this song because it's... I've seen the amount it's been played on um, Spotify, but it deserves so much more. And it, uh, it's weird, but I it basically came from... Tiesto's label Tiesto's got a label and this guy I don't know anything about him and I don't know anything about bar this tune but we were talking about I mean Jimmy Ruffin before or like these <clears throat> minorly augmented kind of vibes that I used a lot on my first record and I still love now like these grinding notes and stuff and this is the, the, what I've learned as well is that when it comes to arpeggios you've got the perfect opportunity to be able to do them kind of diminished horrible chords and this song is it's like i can't explain it but it's like the chords from an adele an adele song hmm. like one of those old motown songs and i think it's i don't know what it is but i just loved it i was just like i just love this tune so much and i like that it reminds me of them record store days when yeah. you've got that nobody really knows yeah hopefully too many people don't listen to it now 
Maybe I should have picked something else. Well, they're gonna be able. <laughs> they're gonna be able to listen to it because we put together a, a, a Spotify playlist to accompany uh, today's chat, so people can go and listen to. Uh, all of the songs that we spoke about today, mate, and and, and obviously uh, your music as well. Um, as we find ourselves steaming into twenty twenty two, hopefully in a far more kind of connected, connected country, and 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 you know with a lot more positivity than maybe we, we started last year with. Um, what are you looking forward to personally this year, and what's going to be happening professionally? No idea. this is welcome to the new mindset and everyone i've done a few interviews and they've all gone so big plans ahead what's going on and i'm like nope don't know yeah and i think that's that is the absolute best way to be yeah i'm i'm loving i've had a bit of a knockback recently but i am loving every single day and i appreciate every single day more than anything now and i love it and i don't want to go i don't want to look at the past i don't want to look at the future i just want to look at now because i'm loving it i'm really enjoying life but in terms of what's coming i mean i've like i said i've got i've got my whole new kind of live concept which is exciting but also nerve-wracking um for people to not come and see me as this soul nut like purely as me being a dj a live performer and doing it all hybrid and sampling and doing loads of mad shit on stage, which is quite cool. But to, but also with the high energy as usual, but that's so exciting, man. Like letting fireworks off at the top of the thing of a button. But I love that. And I'm so excited about bringing that to my future. But what that means is that people have got to book me to do that. And what it means when I've taken two years out of music and the world's gone into a whole different world, is that this new track, it might not do that well, and then I don't get them gigs, and then this whole thing doesn't work. But I, I was never guaranteed it. I wasn't guaranteed it as a kid. Like, And that is the thing that I've missed so much. Yeah. Uh, people presumed that I was guaranteed it. So when it didn't do well, they judged it. Whereas now... I don't really give a shit because nobody doesn't. Nobody knows if it's not a hit. Nobody's looking at me right now until you have a hit. Nobody's doing this until you have a hit. And I just think it's an amazing thing to say that, like, I'm, I've done something so brave and so different, but feels so great that I'm sat in a hoodie and a hat. Like, do you know how good that feels? Like, that I didn't have to be like, oh, I better go and do the quiff and get the thing on, or he's going to be like, whoa, John's looking a bit rough. Like, if you thought that now, I'd be like, oh, I don't care, like, whatever. But, like, I'm so excited that, like, literally, like, in a year, two years, like, hopefully you've enjoyed chatting to me and you'd, like, hopefully you'll go and be a, a spokesman for me to, to whoever and be proud if I did well. And John, I'm not going to lie. I've done 350 episodes of this podcast, and this has been one of my favourite episodes I've ever done. It's, it really? It's, it, the, the fact that the first 30 minutes of this, we didn't even talk about fucking records like yeah. we just had a, a really open and honest nice oh, chat yeah. with a complete stranger <laughs> you know and and yeah to kind of get that again connection like and, yeah. and 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 you to feel comfortable to kind of talk about the things that you spoke about was 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 really lovely man and uh, i've had a really really fucking great time oh man thank you so much <laughs> okay. um but hopefully in like two years i see you and we bump into each other in a pub or somewhere and you 
buy me a beer and say, fucking hell, mate, like, I can't believe what's happened. You've, you've, you've come up with this idea you spoke about and it's gone absolutely mad. I hope so, man. I hope so. Or you might be like, yeah, how have you been? Because it, <laughs> and that's such a beautiful thing. Like I am back in the realm of everyday life, man. And the bin man doesn't fucking shout at me anymore because I haven't been doing shite TikTok dances. Oh, I haven't been doing. I've got to be careful. Actually, I still need to get support from TikTok. <laughs> but because I haven't been like participating in these viral things, it's gone away, and it's yeah. so beautiful. And now. It's time to work and appreciate that work and work my ass off for my dream. And I think that's an amazing thing. It's not on a plate anymore. And I'm in a, in a, in a position where I'm so excited, oh, like man. nervous, but so excited. But, yeah. Mate, I wish you all the best, John. Honestly, thanks so much for doing this today, brother. Mate, it's an absolute pleasure. Man, I'm just buzzing. Absolutely buzzing. What a, what a great human being. Uh, I love it when you have them chats that just fire you up, you know, just the kind of how he's approaching his, you know, his creativity and how he's handling it and how he's kind of learned from, you know, that, that, that time in lockdown. It's just, it was just really inspiring and, and proper fired me up. And I just love, I, I, I love it when, when somebody, you know, comes on the podcast and they're so open and honest. It's, it's just bloody lovely. Um, so just huge thanks to Shane for uh, organising that and introducing me to John. Uh, and yeah, just huge love to John for just being a, uh, a fucking incredible human. Um, I hope you had as much fun listening to that as I did having that chat um, because I felt like that was one of the one of the best I've done. And uh, not because of my, my uh, lispy Essex waffle, but just because of uh, John's ace natter. It was great. Absolutely great. Anyway, go check out the back catalogue, 350 episodes uh, available there. Um, I'm back next time. In the meantime, uh, be nice to each other. And uh, yeah, I'll see you soon. Big love. Bye-bye. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with him. Eat it, boy.